really important. So a lot of people think that a recruiter is gonna read your resume. They don't actually read your resume. They literally scan it really quickly and they've gotten so good at their jobs that they can say yes or no within those kind of like five to 10 seconds. And the applicant tracking system is not meant to, it's not meant to be this evil robot that's like there to get you. It's actually meant to protect the recruiters and the company's time, but also your time. Like if you're getting those automatic All right, welcome, welcome, welcome to this episode of How to Get a Job Podcast. Today, I have Bogdan Slakov. He is the founder and lead instructor at Growth Hack Your Career. And today, we have an amazing episode where we're going to be talking about your resume. How are you, my friend? Welcome to the show. I'm doing great. I'm excited to share some of these little secrets that I've learned uh, over the years with you guys. Hey, like I think this is the first time where we actually you're gonna use some sort of PowerPoint presentation or some some presentation in, in the in in the in the podcast. But so if you are listening to the podcast only, you're still gonna be able to gain value from this. So don't worry about the presentation. But if you do are listening to this and you want to see more of the presentation and the slides, make sure you go to our YouTube page or go to Spotify where you can actually see the recording of this or. or the footage of this presentation and our conversation, but regardless, enjoy the show. So let's get started. I know that you wanted to play a little game about facts or myths, um, and so let, let's get started. You, you, you lead this. Let's do it. Let's do it. So this is a fun little game I like to play with uh, the students who join our courses. Um, this is called Job Facts Mythbusters. So I'm going to read a statement. You guys just think in your minds. Is it a fact or is it a myth? And then we'll talk about it. So the first one here that we have, on average, a recruiter spends one to two minutes reviewing your resume. What do you guys think? What so do you think, I, Daniel? No, so I, I think, you know, I can see why most people will be like, hey, like one to two minutes, that's nothing. That is definitely a myth. They're going to be spend three to five minutes. But I also understand the reality because I have been on the other side. And when you have hundreds of applications that you have to review before lunch, you don't spend one to two minutes per application. So That's I definitely right. think it's a myth. Um, and I even think 10 to 30 seconds is kind of generous. I've seen I've seen it where it's like less than 10 seconds. And I think you yeah. obviously understanding that it's like super, this is generalizing. Some recruiters might spend one to two minutes. Some might spend two seconds. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So this is really important. So a lot of people think that a recruiter is going to read your resume. They don't actually read your resume. They literally scan it really quickly and they've gotten so good at their jobs that they can say yes or no within those kind of like five to 10 seconds. And this isn't a yes or no to give you the job. This is really important. It's just a yes or no. Should I interview this person or should I not interview this person? So one of the things we're going to talk about, and I'll show you some cool little tricks later, is how to make sure that your resume is really scannable so that they can pick out all your really uh, best achievements right away. Yeah, the, long, the, the longer you're in the funnel, the less candidates there are, that's going to mean that more time they're investing in you and reading everything, right? That's why they'll do more rounds of interviews. They'll spend more time on your resume and so on. Yeah. And this is actually um, brings me up to a good point about how I learned some of this stuff. So I at one of my first jobs, um, I actually was seated near the HR department 
at the office. Like I, I'm, I do marketing, so I had no business, but just the way the pods were, I was seated next to the HR department and I watched recruiters interviewing people all day and talking about like resumes and stuff. And so I learned all these things just by be becoming friends with them and learning from them. And one of these recruiters, I uh, went for a coffee chat with her and she said, well, you know, like I'm pretty junior right now. So I spend about a minute per resume but I hope to bring that down to 20 to 30 seconds as I get more experience. So like their goal is to spend as little time on your resume as possible, which blew my mind. It's funny. The more applicants you get, the less time you spend per resume. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Next, next, uh, myth buster, the average job posting receives 250 applications. So the internet makes it so easy for you to apply online. Therefore, it makes it really hard for you to get notice. And the reason is because of easy apply buttons. How many applications do you think you can apply to? Like if you're listening to this, how many applications have you applied to? So I actually think this is fact. Yes, you are spot on. So 200 applic 250 applications uh, per job. On average, only four to six of those people will actually get called in for an interview and one gets the job. So, right, the numbers are not in our favor, but they can be if we have that amazing resume that just like pops out and grabs their attention right away. Yeah. I All right. Next. So hold on. Let's, let's go back to that a little bit. I, yeah. I think it's really important to understand that the average is 250. But if you're going for a top tier company like the Googles, the Amazons of the world, they get in the thousands of resumes, right? So like you think about like yeah. the only reason why the average is 250 is because there's companies that might get a lot less, but it's because they're smaller companies that people don't even know those jobs existed. That's a really good point. So I looked this up and Google actually receives over a million applications every single year. So if you can just imagine <laughs> you sending your application in, it really has to pop in order for someone to actually like yeah. take notice in it. All right, next one. A resume that isn't scannable can reduce your chances of getting a job by 60%. I think this brings us back to like the first point. Like there's no way someone can read a, a, a resume that probably has a font of, of, of six. No, no, I'm just kidding, I'm fine of a six. But <laughs> when, it, when the fonts are so small, I think, you know, a resume should be scannable. Yes, you are spot on. So you guys might have heard about these things called applicant tracking systems. So they, they're they really like mislabeled as like these robots that are scanning out your, your resume and not putting it in the system. The applicant tracking systems take in all resumes, but sometimes a recruiter can actually set up the system to have certain qualification uh, qualifications on there. So they could say, I only want to see resumes that have five years or more of experience. So that's why we need to make sure that our resume is in a good format so that the applicant tracking system can scan it and also so that the recruiter can scan it quickly when they're looking at it. Yeah, I think something that's super cool or like not cool, but I think something that we forget is like, you know, when you're applying for a job and you're like, wait, why are they asking me this question? It's already I've already put this information on my resume. Or if they ask a question like, will you now or in the future require sponsorship? And for all you international students, you're like, damn, I hate that question. Those mm -hmm. questions also are part of what filters you out of the applicant, like out of the application process. And the applicant tracking system is not mean to, it's not meant to be this evil robot that's like there to get you. It's actually meant to protect the recruiters and the company's time, but also your time. Like if you're getting those automatic rejections um, and you feel like, hey, like it's because no one saw my application. 
it's probably because of something that you said, whether it's your resume or through those questions that the company didn't think you were the right fit for that job. So instead of like dragging you along, they just want to let you know that, that they've moved on and you should move on too. Yeah, exactly. All right. And then here I have the final myth buster. A job seeker will spend an average of 22 hours a week looking for work. This was the one I don't know that I know the right answer to, but I, cause I think if you don't have a job, your full-time job should be looking for a job. And I do think you should be spending at least six hours a day doing this. So to me, I would say, yes, 22 hours sounds good. But I also, from working with so many students and, and just job seekers themselves, don't think that even break 15. Interesting. So this one is is hard. And the reason I put this one in here is because, right, job seeking can be such an isolating experience, right? You're like, am I doing this right? Am I doing enough? Am I doing too much? Am I burning myself out? It's really hard to gauge how much you should be doing. But like you said, if you're really desperate for a job, searching for a job should be your full-time job. The interesting thing is that this is actually a myth. So on average, a job seeker will spend 11 hours a week looking for work. So that's totally fine. I actually don't think you need to spend a whole lot more hours than that. It's about how can we make sure that those 11 hours are as absolutely effective as possible. So that's some of the stuff I'm going to teach you guys today. Awesome. All right. So let's jump into the three challenges that we're going to tackle today. And I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. So the first one is a recruiter schedule. Recruiters are super, super busy people. They're super overworked. So they have team meetings. They, they screen candidates on the phone. They review resumes. They meet with hiring managers. There's a ton of stuff that they do. So a lot of times it's like, why are these recruiters so lazy? not looking at my resume for, for, you know, three, four minutes, even it's not that they're lazy. They're actually really hardworking. They're just overworked. So like we said, they're not going to read your resume. They're going to scan it quickly. And the problem is a lot of us make this mistake, myself included, when I was applying the jobs is you can't include everything on your resume. So the question is, how can we make sure that we include our most impactful stuff on our resume? And what stuff should we get rid of? So I'm going to teach you guys how to do that as well. So three mindsets I want to teach you guys today. It's not about me. It's about them. So think about the recruiter. Have the recruiter in, in your mind. The next one is that your resume is a movie trailer, not the entire movie, right? So less is more. And then the third mindset is show your full range of experience, not your entire experience. Would you agree with those, Daniel? Yeah, no, no, I 100% agree. I think we always think that our resume is about us, but it's not so much about us, it's how we solve the problem that the company is looking to do. And the recruiter, it's their job is to identify who are the best candidates to bring into the hiring team, right? And so I do think everything you're saying is correct because I do think those mistakes of, of us being super selfish about it or us um, not actually, or like, like vomiting on the recruiter thinking more is less it's like they're still only going to spend seven seconds so if you send them a four-page resume you're just gonna it's gonna hurt you more than help you yes exactly exactly so um the one of the big questions that i get is about bullet points i don't know have you when you work with uh candidates how do you kind of uh handle this idea of like writing bullet points 
Yeah. So like the biggest mistake I see on resumes, aside from like, you know, basic formatting issues that can be kind of fixed relatively more simpler. I think the biggest issue that I see is that people have a doer's resume versus an achiever's resume. People are like, very inclined to talk about what they did in the role versus what they achieved in the role. And like, I think it's like really important to understand that every company, when they're hiring you, they're, they're hiring you to solve a problem. They're making an investment in you. So they're looking to see how does it, how does, how did you either save or make the company money? So how did you achieve that? Right. And the, the better you can communicate, the better it is. And I think that the key to a good resume is the bullet points, but that is the hardest. Yes. And I know it is. And that's kind of where I wanted us to talk about. It's like saying, like, how do you write good bullet points? Yeah. Yeah. So you hit the nail on the head with the achiever versus the doer uh, kind of mantra. Um, I actually spoke to a career coach who put this so crystal clear to me that now I share her methodology everywhere. Her name is Claire Davis. You can follow her uh, on LinkedIn. She's amazing. Um, but basically, she told me about the three parts of a resume bullet point and the one that most people are missing. So there are three parts to a bullet point. You got your power verb, which is how you start every bullet point with. Then you have the method or the skill that you used in your job. And most people stop there. The part that everybody misses, and I see this like 99% of the time, is the result. So she has this really clever way of just adding a little statement at the end, which completely changes every bullet point. So I'll give you an example here. Let's say our bullet point is, improved our SEO strategy through a content audit. That's where most people stop. They go, that's a great bullet point. That's what I did at my job. Now add these two magic words in, resulting in. So by asking yourself, resulting in, what did this result in? It completely changes your bullet point. So now if I add that, our new bullet point is improved our SEO strategy through a content audit resulting in a 23% per, 23 increase in website traffic. So all of a sudden you see, I'm talking about how I'm improving the company, like you said, Daniel. And I wanna add a couple of things here because I think you're so right about how important adding the results in. And you're like, you know, I guess the, the pushback that I get when I say this to our, our mentees or even when I talk about this is like, well, Daniel, I don't remember like what the number was. And like my, my best reply to you is like, look, guesstimate it's not about whether it was 23 percent or 24 percent or if it was 24 percent or 20 percent as long as you can like what's going to happen is that that's going to prompt and that's going to prompt them to bring you to the interview and then in the interview they're going to be like tell me more about how you were able to do that content strategy the content audit which resulted to that the recruiter doesn't care about that exact percentage they care about how you did it and what that led in and how did that make or save the company money and in this case probably increase uh revenue by increasing website traffic yeah exactly and i i think that that's a really good thing to highlight so one way that i like to coach people through figuring out their numbers is think about what you did on a day-to-day -day basis and then how many times you were successful so a really good example of this is a customer success manager right? Someone who answers phone calls and helps customers with their problems. On average, how many times have you failed to help a customer actually solve their problem? And they go, well, maybe like five or six people, I couldn't help them out. And I go, how many calls do you take per day? And they go, oh, like 30 to 50. And I go, okay. So your success rate is like 99% or 97%, right? You can just put that in there. You don't have to actually calculate it exactly.
Right. And again, like, I don't know that anybody like, I'm, and this is a learning lesson. When you do go into a new role, I think it's really important to take notes and like highlight, like remember where you started and how you did on different projects, but no one remembers that exact same thing. And I think no recruiter is expecting a hundred percent accuracy on those numbers, as long as you could talk through it, right? As long as you can, they can communicate, they can see your train of thought. They can see how you were able to resolve or fix those issues. And how did you come up with it and, and ensure that, okay, this was you, they did this. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So yeah, so that is how to write a bullet point. The next big question that I usually get is like, okay, well then how do I, how do I choose which bullet points to have? Um, have you ever experienced this, Daniel, with like the, the people that you work with? Yeah, I, I do. And I, but I think, I think we might differ on how you do this a little bit. So why don't you tell us a little bit more? How, how do you show, like, how do you choose what bullet points to use? Sure, sure. Happy to. So, um, this is a technique that I created for myself and then I actually started using it with friends and family and then it grew into like this really popular tool that now thousands of uh, job seekers use. Um, it's called the color coding technique and you can do this at home on your own. You don't need any special tools. Um, and this is to figure out how do you showcase the diversity of your skills? So a lot of job seekers come to me and they say, Bogdan, like, I am not like, you can't fit me in a box. Like I have so many different experiences, so many skills. How do I choose which ones to use? And what I do is I tell them, listen, there's five types of bullet points in total. You can build something, you can lead something, you can manage something, you can collaborate on something, or you can improve something. And of course, there's a bunch of different synonyms for all of these, but these are the five categories of bullet points. And so what I do is I say, assign a color, it doesn't matter what color, but assign a color to each of these bullet points. So you could say all your build bullet points are going to be blue. All your leadership bullet points are going to be yellow. And then go through your resume and actually do this uh, technique where you color code every single type of verb that you have in there. So uh, whether you manage something or you grew something or you maintain something. And you'll notice if you have a lot of one type of color, which means you might have this full diversity of experience, but maybe you're only showing off your collaboration skills. You're not actually showing your leadership skills because you've forgotten to put those in there. And then you can rebalance your bullet points and say, okay, I have way too much collaboration you know, bullet points in here. Let me add a little bit of leadership. Let me add a little bit of improvement and so on. So this is the color coding technique. Again, the five types of bullet points are building something, leading something, managing something, collaborating on something or improving something. I think this is a, you know, this is something that I think is really interesting that I think is very, like to your point, very unique to what you, you're teaching. And I can see the power of doing this. Now, my concern, and I would say like, it's like, what, you know, what would you say when you're trying to customize your resume to a particular job, like a job posting or a job description? Yeah, so you still want to you still want to uh, customize your resume to that particular job description, but you always want to show that you're a well-rounded candidate. So even if your job is something really technical, like uh, say you're like a senior software engineer um, who, you know, codes things that are really, really complex you still want to show leadership skills, right? Because they want to hire someone who can do this job 
and then eventually move into management and manage a team. So you want to have at least one leadership bullet point on there, even though some of your other ones, you might have a lot more that are about improving, increasing uh, efficiencies, things like that. So you want to showcase that you're a well-rounded individual. Yeah, and I, I guess what I would add is like, you know, just like the most important things that your resume should be towards the top, I also think that the most important bullet points of your resume should be like the most important bullet points should be towards the top. Like, so the order of where you have it might just yes. change depending on the job description. So if the job description values more leadership or values more collaboration, then you should be moving those leadership and collaboration bullet points towards the top. Exactly. And I actually uh, recommend this. So all of the stuff that you guys see here, we actually teach in our course. Our course is completely free on our website, growthhackyourcareer.com. You can sign up. Um, but yeah, in the course I teach, when you're creating your resume, make sure that you create three versions of it and you move your materials around so that it matches the type of job that you're going to be applying to. So I did this when I was applying the jobs because I didn't only apply to one type of role. I applied to content marketing jobs. I applied to video production jobs and I applied to social media jobs because I could do all of them. But for each one, I moved my bullet points around so that if it's a social media job, all of my like heavy hitters in terms of my achievements in social media were like at the very top so that mm -hmm. people see them right away. Yep. Love it. All right. And now I'll show you guys uh, two final techniques. These are really, really useful and really quick to do. Um, so I call these the cutting the clutter techniques. And it's about reducing the amount of information that's on your resume. So a lot of people suffer from having way too much. They just keep adding to their resume, right? You apply, you apply, you apply. No one's calling you in for an interview. So you go, ah. Oh, it's probably because I'm missing something and you just keep adding and piling more and more stuff on. So a common question that I get is how can I make my resume more concise? And so I'll teach you two techniques. The first one is called the and technique. I actually learned this when I uh, studied writing at uh, UCSD for my undergrad. And basically it's really simple. You take your resume, you type in control F or command F on a Mac and you type in the word and. And you see how many and statements you have in your resume. And is this tricky little word that basically lets us get more and more wordy, right? So if we say, uh, you know, created and grew a team of five people, it's like you don't need both of those. You can just say created a team of five people or grew a team of five people. So look at your and statements. And the rule is you don't want to have more than one and per bullet point. So if we take this technique and we apply it to some bullet points, you can see that a lot of the bullet points that are shorter tend to only have one and statement in them. So for example, you could have developed content strategy and editorial calendar. You don't have to say created and developed a content strategy and an editorial calendar and right. Like don't just keep adding to it. So that's the first technique. Have you ever seen this uh, technique, Daniel? I have, but my only fear, like when someone's doing this, is that you're not taking away the achievement part of it, right? So it's like really important that like, yes, we want to cut down the clutter. We don't want a bullet point that's like three lines long or we're adding, or we're we make one bullet point three lines that it really should be two different bullet points. But I just want to make sure that if you're listening to this, that you're not taking out the results. So you're not taking it out because of, of that part of it. Yep. And usually the result won't have 
that and statement yeah. in it, right? Because you're going to be Which using something I, like resulting in, right? Yeah. Or, uh, uh, you know, surpassed lead goals by 140% doesn't have an and in it. The place where people get stuck is when they try to just put yeah. too many verbs or too many items in yeah. one bullet point. It's like, just create a new bullet point, guys. You don't have to stuff everything into one bullet point. No, and and that and that is awesome. Like to be able to look into that, and I think what I think you you do really well, and I think if, if for anybody listening, like the takeaways for me here so far is like the colors when you visual. If if you're a visualized learner like myself, and you're and you're and you're doing Control F or Find F, you know whatever computer you use, like to visualize all the ands and be able to double check that, or even when you're talking about the colors, that's a, that makes it like you're like okay, I can see where the problem is. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So these are little tests that you can do, even if you're not an amazing writer. These are actual techniques that we learned when I was studying writing that I'm just kind of passing on to you guys. We used to do this for our papers where we would look at how many and statements and be like, oh, you're getting really long winded, like cut it down. So um, it's really helpful. So uh, the last technique, and this is probably my favorite, which is the word count test. So I want to get your take on this, Daniel one page resume or two page resume or three page resume what's you your know, preference i think it really depends on how much experience you have but i would say for 90 plus percent of people listening to this one page is more than enough right unless you have like massive years of experience then you don't need one page you got to remember going back to the, the beginning of this presentation like your resume is the trailer not the whole movie yes yeah so i agree on the one page however i understand that some people want two pages or need two pages depending on how much experience they have so i actually developed a better test because one page two page i can change the font size i can change the margins i can change i can cram everything together and i can go look it's one page but it's a terrible resume because it has too much stuff in it so a better test for this is what i call the word count test so i want to ask you a question and let's get your take on this what is the ideal number of words for a resume? 500 words, 600, 700, or 800 words? What do you think, Daniel? I would say probably between five or 600, but I'm not really sure. I've never looked at it in a word count. I think for me, it's more does it pass the visual scan test. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So some people, right, it's hard because when you've been staring at your resume for ages, the visual test, you're just, you know where everything is already. Yeah. So you're like, oh yeah, it looks great to me, but it could be a total mess. So doing a word count test on it is really useful. This is based on my testing of working with thousands of job seekers. The best resumes are ones with 500 words or fewer. So for an early to mid-career professional, which I tend to uh, count as one to 15 years experience, you want to have anywhere between 350 to 500 mm -hmm. words. That's like your range. And the shorter you can be usually is the better. If you have more than 15 years experience, then you can go 500 to 600 words. But you should not under any circumstances be going to 700, 800 words. I see this all the time when, when people submit their resumes to us. I immediately run a word count test. I'm like, oh, like this is 900 words. Like, what are we doing here? You know, this is a novella. Um, so yeah, you want to keep your word count low. And the way you can make it more concise is, again, using that and technique, using that bullet point technique so that you can cut things down and not have to put everything in your resume. Yeah. And, and I think that's a really important, like, again, I think less is more when you talk about your resume and also um, 
understanding like yeah like, I, i'm a big fan of making sure that, you, that that i can see the story especially when we talk about different jobs and projects that you've done and how they match in the timeline but you don't need the same number of bullet points for every project or job right like it's just more how do you communicate the value the most so like if there's a project that you did five years ago it doesn't need four bullet points because your first job that you did that you're currently doing has four bullet points right so like i think there's ways to to look at uh of cutting out maybe bullet points completely right um or even yeah like i would say that's or, or even irrelevant projects that are no longer valid anymore like for me what i did in high school working part-time at universal studios probably not relevant anymore yeah yeah exactly and that's why i really like that color coding technique so for example i had a um person come into our group uh we do resume reviews for people and this person came in submitted their resume and i was reading the resume and i was like this resume is like really good. Like every bullet point was spot on. It was so good. And I was thinking like, why aren't they getting interviews? Like this doesn't make sense. So I decided to color code their bullet points. And I realized that like 80% of them were about collaboration skills. And so when I talked to this woman, she had 25 years of experience. I said, hey, like is collaborating all you did? Like, did you ever have any leadership roles? She's like, yeah, of course. I led a team of like seven people and we did this and we did that. And then I built this project. And I was like, none of that's in your resume. And she's like, oh yeah, I guess, I guess it's not. So we were moved. We were able to like delete a ton of those collaboration bullet points because you don't need, you know, 17 of them. And we could replace them with just a few leadership ones, some improvement ones. Um, some building ones and her resume just like took off. It was so much better. And she landed her dream role. It was like one of my favorite, uh, you know, uh, success stories. Love it. Love it. So look, this has been uh, amazing, amazing advice. Like, I, I think even for me, like I, I, the way you look at resume writing is super fresh and unique. Uh, that does totally make sense because you're looking at it now from the HR perspective, right? Uh, which is where I come from being a like hiring manager, looking at resumes, doing those interviews on campus and everything. But really, you brought in like the marketing analytical side of it and say, okay, how do we break this down and really get answers and make this into actionable things that people listening to this or even going to your website um, at Growth Hack Your Career can go and learn and do for free, right? Uh, so this is really awesome. So if they want to learn more about you and your products or services, what's the best way? Uh, best way, you, so if you want to follow me on LinkedIn, uh, feel free to do so. It's just Bogdan Zlatkov. Um, and then also Growth Hack Your Career is our website where we share all of this stuff for free. So um, we have a resume course on there, a cover letter course, an interviewing course. And then we also actually have uh, built our own tools. So we actually have a resume grader where you can put in your resume details and it'll give you like an actual grade, like C plus, B plus, A minus. And it also gives you some suggestions. So it'll say, hey, looks like your resume bullet points are a little bit long, like you should shorten them. It gives you like actual improvements to make. So all of that stuff is for free. Um, we used to charge for it. We decided, hey, let's take the paywall off. Everything, everything is free and available to you guys. So you can just sign up there. It's just name and email and uh, you'll be in. Amazing, amazing. So we'll put all that information on the show notes so you can go click, uh, connect with you on LinkedIn. They can go directly to your website. This has been awesome. This has been really, really awesome, insightful. Uh, so thank you so much for, for coming and joining us on the podcast. For everyone listening, thank you so much and catch you guys on the next episode.